Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Okay, so while, while they're taking up the offering there, <clears throat> how many of you, uh, when you meet somebody for the first time, you greet them in a specific way? How many of you have got a, a specific way of greeting people? Standard, standard way of greeting people. Okay, so, so uh, would, you, would you please say hello to me? Yeah, and after, and then I say hello, hello. And then, uh, and then what's the normal thing that you, you would say to a, a, a person? Are you asking me? I am grateful but not satisfied. I am grateful and not satisfied. And if I had to say that to you, what would you then say to me? You would ask me why. Because I read the book of Acts. I read the book of Acts. And I'm glad you asked. So if you have a look, if you want to turn in your Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 19. I mean, you could turn to any chapter. It'll, it'll, uh, it'll have the same effect. But there's a little verse there in Acts chapter 19, uh, uh, verse 10 specifically. Can somebody read that for us this morning? Acts chapter 19 and verse 10. Somebody, if you've got it, say, I've got it. Have you got it? Acts chapter 19. Who of you are Afrikaans? Are there any Dutchmen here? Mooi <laughs> man. Good. Good. So if I gooi a bit of Afrikaans, you're not going to get confused. Very good. Very good. Just to tell you, I do qualify because my grandmother was in the concentration camp in Folksrust. Even though we were English farmers, the Brits still burnt our farm down. It didn't help me at school because I was the Roynek. So I've grown up by carbonate and by soda. And I live in Freit. Hallelujah. Yeah, and I spend some time even in the Free State. <laughs> yeah, the Orange Free State. There are no oranges. No, I won't carry on. Nothing is free and it's in a terrible state. That's, what, that's the joke. That's the joke. It's not the case because it happens to be God's state as well. Just like Natal. Yes, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And they that dwell therein. Isn't it good? So did you find it? Okay, what does it say? Acts 19.10. Somebody read it nice and loud. Have you got it? Uh, yes. Can I hear? What does it say? Khoi. Read it nice and loud. Okay, so that's an interesting verse. In Acts chapter 19, after a period of time, the Holy Spirit actually prevented Paul from going into that particular area. Uh, and then God opened the door and he went. He found 12 people, at least 12 men. It says there were 12 men there. Uh, asked them if they'd been filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, they said they'd never heard of the Holy Ghost. He told them about the Holy Ghost, told them about the baptism of the Lord Jesus. They were baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. He then... Uh, ministered in the synagogues. The Jews got upset with him. 
uh, they didn't want to have anything to do with him anymore. He went next door. There was a place called the School of Tyrannus. And Paul lectured there every day. And then you get this verse. It says, this continued for two years. Two years is how many months? In 24 months. And it says, in those 24 months, the whole of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. Now, so, so when you normally read that, you don't think, well, how many people was that? Well, that was 14 million people living at that time. They calculated. So 14 million people heard the word of the Lord in 24 months. The question is, what did they do? What did they do? What happened for them to be... And they didn't have television. And they didn't have cell phones. Didn't have that. So, so and no WhatsApp either. <coughs> so, or Facebook. So, this, the, so not having all that available to them, they still, the whole place, heard the word of the Lord. And then, if you continue to read, you find out everything got affected. Shortly after that, there was a major economic challenge for them because nobody wanted to buy idols made out of silver anymore. And that actually created problems for Paul them as well. They got persecuted as a result of that. So the kingdom, the, God's kingdom impacted that whole area in every single way. There were some guys that were walking around trying to cast out demons in the name of Jesus and then they got beaten up and the name of the Lord Jesus was then held in high esteem. So what, whatever they did affected everything. It affected everything. So the, the question then is, what will it take? And I think that's what you guys have been wrestling with as well, is to say, what will it take for God's kingdom to come in this place? Not just the building, but the place, the greater, the greater city. And, uh, and maybe that's the advantage of living in a, in a place like Freyet. We can go up on the hill, and at least you can see the whole town. You know, yeah, where do you go to see? Because the place is it's too big, man. It's huge. And so, so the trouble with that is because it's so huge, you think there's nothing we can do. You, be, you almost become immobilized by the size of the challenge. It happens. You know, uh, we do have traffic in freight, you know, like five cars. You know, and then you stress. You check five traffic, you know, five cars. So we had somebody visiting the other day. We had to get somewhere. And Oak, Oak said, uh, when do we have to leave? I said, uh, in a, you know, it, it takes five minutes. And I could see he's looking at me like, you're lying. It doesn't take five minutes. So we go, and guess what? It took five minutes. <laughs> Amen. But now you live here. So obviously, uh, there's a reason for that. So I thought to just... Um, just give a bit of context and then get into the, the thing that Steve asked me to do is just share some stories with you. And so, so I want to do that. So the first thing I want to, I want to say to you is uh, maybe you need to change your emphasis on some of the things that you've read in Scripture because you, 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 are, you have been impacted to think about things in a certain way. So for instance, in Ephesians 4... Verse 11 and 12, it says, God gave unto the church apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Is that true? Okay, so how many saints are here? Uh, yeah, I, I don't see by the hands, but anyway. How many sinners do we have here? 
Yeah, you see now, so there we, now we've got a problem. So there already we've got a problem. Because you're either a saint or a sinner. You can't be both. Otherwise you're schizophrenic. You're yeah, serious. You've got an identity crisis. You can't be a child of God or, and a child of the devil. You're either one or the other. Now listen to what I'm saying. I didn't say how many mature people do I have here. I didn't say that. I said how many saints do we have here. You see, because if we're going to equip, we're supposed to equip the? Well, then if you say you're a sinner, you're disqualified. And that's why many of you don't exercise spiritual gifts, because you think it's only for the saints. You're right. But you are one. Yeah. Eve came to Adam and said, are we English or Afrikaans? She says, I'm going to ask God. So she, he went to God said, God, are we English or Afrikaans? He said, you are what you are. <laughs> so, so he goes back to Eve. Eve says, well, what did God say? Are we English or Afrikaans? He said, we're definitely English. <laughs> said, why do you say that? He said, if we were Afrikaans, he would have said, you is what you is. <laughs> See. So what I'm saying is identity is important. So as I'm talking to a bunch of saints here this morning, uh, Paul spoke to a bunch of saints. They, they'd misbehaved. If you read the letter to the Corinthians, they did terrible things, but they were still considered saints. That's not the point. The point I want to make, it's, it says here, to equip the saints. So, so for this exercise this morning, I just want you to hear, instead of hearing equip, I want you to hear the word empower. You're called to empower the saints for the work of ministry. Empower. See, that's the one word. Then I'd like you to go to, uh, to Matthew chapter 28, and you actually quoted it this morning again. You all know this verse. It says, <clears throat> Jesus said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go you therefore and make disciples of all nations. <clears throat> and... Um, what are you supposed to do when you get there? <clears throat> supposed to baptize them? Yeah. And teach them to what? He's quoting from the Bible. <clears throat> Excuse me. To teach them to know everything that I've commanded you. Is that what it says? Uh, to teach you to know everything that I've commanded. Well, that's what I thought it said, because that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing being, people being taught to know, not to obey. Say, Charles, you've got to be kidding. Well, maybe it's just Freya or the Free State. I was counseling a, a, a married couple, and uh, I really felt they would benefit from going on this marriage uh, encounter weekend. So I said to them, I said, you know, guys, I really feel like you should go on this encounter weekend. And so the husband said, we, we, we were, we did. And I've got the certificate. I said, so, so, uh, so why did you go to get the certificate? So I said, the, the, the stuff that, you, that you're dealing with here if you just had to put into practice what you learned there, 
then you would not be faced with the situation that you're faced with. But it was almost like he looked at me like, you mean we're supposed to do this stuff? <laughs> like, what a novel idea. Now, I know, when you tell the ladies, they go, well, that's typical. <laughs> it's typical male, you know? Just, I know it in my head, therefore, tick the box. Not, we're supposed to do this stuff. So, what I want you to hear is, apart from the obedience, I want us to change another word there, is instead of saying, to teach them to obey is actually to use the word to train them to obey. So from equip to empower, from teach to train. Train them to obey. Train them to obey. And as, as I'm going through telling you some stories, what I'm hoping is going to happen is you're going to see these words in the story. And it's going to maybe shift some of your thinking. And I must be honest with you, by the time I'm finished, you're going to say, can anybody be so stupid? <laughs> True. And so I'm, t I'm saying that up front, so that when you think it, don't feel bad. I, I've already told you. You're going to say, Charles, can you be so stupid? As your corpse were plots with a menorah blade. You know? You're, you're, pro you're probably going to say that. You'd say, I would probably never do that. <laughs> well... Maybe that's why I had to do it, so that you don't have to do it. And you say, and you were trained for ministry, yes, and you still did stupid stuff like that, yes. <laughs> so, the other thing I want us to add a little word in there on the make disciples is to say make hot disciples, H-O-T, make hot disciples, H-O-T. Now, why am I using the word H-O-T in the book of Revelation 3.15? Paul, uh, uh, John's writing to the, to the church, I think it was uh, the Laodicean church, I think it, it's that one, and he said, uh, I've got a problem with you guys, you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm. So I want to piggyback off that word hot, to say the disciples that we, are, that we need to make are actually hot disciples, and, uh, and in the HOT there is actually a strategy. And so I'm, that's why I'm doing that, so just so it, you can hook something on just to, uh, to link on to that. <clears throat> Steve told you I've been in ministry for many years, grateful, not satisfied. I read the book of Acts, ruined. I tell people, don't read the Gospels, don't read the book of Acts, it'll just ruin you. Because sooner or later you're going to say, what I see and what I see here, the, the two don't, there's something missing and, and so that creates a, a, a dissatisfaction on the inside, and it causes you to go and look. And so for years, and Bill will tell you, we've done, you know, every course, every conference, every, you know, every new flavor of the month, uh, jumped in, jumped into the cell church movement, jumped in, trained cell leaders, left, right, center, I can do it with my eyes closed, but wasn't satisfied, uh, heard things. I mean, uh, we had a revival in Ermelo. My one friend, Peter Stoffberg, uh, he multiplied his cell group five times in 18 months. We, we celebrated. We said, Joe, this is wonderful. He said, I don't want to do this anymore. Why not? I've lost all my friends. Why? Because you told us to split. I said, I never used the word split. I said, multiply. Six and one, half a dozen of the other result is these relationships that are shattered. Yeah, but it's for the lost. Well, it still doesn't help me. My relationships are broken. So in the whole process, we've been wrestling to say, how do we maintain community and still get the gospel out and still disciple? And how do we do it? And why do we have to wait 
like three years before a guy can become a cell leader or seven years before you can become a Dwemini. And, uh, and, you know, why is it only that the, uh, the few get to do the work? Those are the things I wrestled with. I don't know if you wrestled with that. Maybe you're quite comfortable to park and, you know, be a spectator. Not in this church. We're talking about Freyat now. It's not you guys. So anyway, long story, I'm, I eventually... I've got this crazy friend who said to me, I need to read some stuff. So I read about a guy who planted 85,000 churches in northern India in 12 years. So I did the math. I thought, ah, it's an American. Of course, they, 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 they speak evangelistically. <laughs> in Afrikaans, he said, die oude paar nille bijgelig. That's what you say. So I thought, well, churches, groups, people, 85,000, impacting 85,000 is still, it's impressive. So, so my friend eventually says to me, would you like to meet this guy? And I thought, sure, we're going to go to the Coca-Cola Dome up there in Joburg's big conference. So he says to me, he's coming to my house. I thought, oh, please, I oh, know, man. You've got 70 oaks in your church. Uh, a guy that's planted 85,000 churches coming to your house. Please, man, if you want me to visit you, just say, come and visit. You don't have to tell this long story to get me to visit you. Because the Dutchmen do that. You know that. They tell you these long stories. You, and you get sucked in. You believe it. And then they all laugh at you. And then they say, no, we're not laughing at you. We're just laughing at your expense. It doesn't help you. So anyway, I get to Arno's house. And here the guy sitting was on the way there. I thought, I'm, you know... I'm, preparing my speech to really give him a rev. We'd laugh about it, have coffee, rusks, pray together, I go home. So I get there, yeah, this Dr. David Watson is sitting in the lounge. So, so what do I do when I greet people? Hello? How are you? They ask me how I am. I say what? Grateful, not satisfied. They ask why. I say, I read the book of Acts. So he looks at me, doesn't bat an eye, and he says, Charles, I want to tell you, we are seeing more than the book of Acts. We've lost count with the number of people that have been raised from the dead in our groups. And I thought, shut up and take notes. Just <laughs> shut up. Shut up. And the only trouble is there are only three of us there. Me and Arno and David. And so they got into a discussion. And uh, part of that discussion was, could you please explain the fivefold ministry? He says, yes, the apostle's job is to identify a group of people that must come to obedience. The prophet's job is to tell those same people what will happen to them if they disobey. <laughs> the evangelist's job is to gather people so that they can obey. The pastor's job is to encourage them to obey. And the teacher's job is to teach them how to obey. Okay, so then eventually... And that Dutchman friend of mine, he ain't no lacquer gekry, because I've got nailed, you know. So then he says to me, don't you have a question for David? <laughs> yes, I do. David, could you please tell me, what curriculum are you using to train these leaders? So he says, the Bible. I don't know about you, but I've been using the Bible for 40 years. I'm not getting those results. So I said to him, so what... You, and he could see now, this boy's in trouble. So he said, let me tell you. He says, if you come from a reformed or evangelical background, that means like the Dutch Reformed Church or the Baptist Church, one of those churches, if you come from that background, 
you measure spiritual maturity, you equate it with knowledge. In other words, the guy with the degrees, the guy that knows a little Greek and Hebrew and all that stuff, that's what qualifies you to be spiritually mature. The more knowledge you have, that qualifies you. It says if you come from a charismatic or Pentecostal background, you, you know some people like that. <laughs> then you, normally the measurement for spiritual maturity is revelation knowledge. Can you unpack types and shadows? And can you hoy the gift? And, and can you hoy, like as in personality? Then the person, who, you know, the top dog in that area, that's the person who is the cleverest and the most considered to be the most spiritual mature person. He said, for us, we measure spiritually mature, maturity through obedience. It's a different paradigm. He said, the other thing that normally happens is uh, you recruit people which means you get them saved. Then you, you train them, however long, depending on where you come from. If it's, if it's reformed, it could be seven years plus. I'm serious. No, it's genuine. And if it's, if it's charismatic, well, it depends. But at least 18 months before you are set free to go and do the work. Because first you've got to do this, 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 this. Because we first want to check your character. That's what we tell people. Is it true? Yes, we do, and there's good reason for that. But, I mean, the point is that's what's done. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that's how it is. He says, so first you recruit, then you train, and then you deploy. Then the guy goes to do the work. He says, we don't do that. Says, what do you do? He says, we recruit, we deploy, and then we train as we go. And I'm going, what? What? And then the other thing he says is you've, you draw a distinction between evangelism and discipleship. Well, I thought, well, isn't that so? You get the oak saved, then you, how can you disciple an oak that's not saved? He says, no, we disciple the guy till he gets saved. So then he, he, says, he says, and what we use is we use a principle of discovery that's simple. Because if it's simple, it can replicate. And that's how you get movement. Oi. So, now, Steve can unpack the rest of the stuff and Mark, and they can tell you if they haven't already told you all of that. So that's just to give you the background. So now, I, with this information, now I go back to where I'm living in Paris, on the Val River, not in overseas, in South Africa. Yeah, Paris. I'm living in Paris, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm the pastor of a church there. Uh, how many of you know pastors are busy? Yes, your, your pastor's obviously not busy because they're looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> busy, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> yeah, and the pastor's focus is on what? He's on his congregation. That's what he's supposed to do, look after the scarpies. Isn't that so? If they go bar, you're there. Clear from the bottle. Wipe his backside. <coughs> Grow them up. <laughs> Every now and again they can eat steak. It's true, isn't it? Yeah, so now I go back. So what happened was we had uh, two uh, horrific funerals. That, had, that uh, I won't give you the circumstances, but the bottom line is these two young girls are at both funerals. And uh, at the second funeral, 
on the begrafenis brief. What do you call that Yeah. What do you guys do when, they, when somebody dies at the funeral? They've got some notice or something with a person's, with a picture on. Obituary, that thing. Okay, so anyway, I put my telephone number in on that thing. And so here's this beautiful girl who passed away. Uh, two friends have got this uh, obituary uh, notice. Now, these two girls, they are living together. They are what? You understand what I'm saying? Okay, good. They're living together. And uh, they are running a pub called Outlaws on the way to Fredefort. Their father bought the one a pub. So they, they've got a pub. They're living together. And uh, this is just before the Easter weekend. The, the sales in the pub suddenly take a dive. Their turnover drops by about like 80,000. Just like that. <coughs> and they... But they're not doing anything different. But suddenly the sales took a dive. And the black witch doctor pitches up there and says to them, I see you're not doing too well. Iemand het jylle getoor. I found some mooty at the gate. But if you pay me four grand, I'll reverse the curse. So, so, so they go, what? So they take his cell phone number. It's marvelous what technology can do. It can keep you in touch with the dark side. <coughs> and it's not only the darkies. I'll tell you why I use that word, because then they phoned a white witch doctor in Johannesburg for a second opinion. <coughs> See, the devil's not, he's not got problems with racism, he'll just tackle anybody. <coughs> so they, they, they make an appointment, and then they wake up the next morning, they see the begrafenis brief, they see my telephone number, they phone me, now I'm the third opinion, which I didn't know at that stage, I found out afterwards. And they want to see me. So we make an appointment. They decide to cancel the appointment with the white witch doctor till they've spoken to me. So we sit at the wimpy and I had to multitask. How many men can multitask? Yeah, none. Very few. Well, listen, I can, I can tell you, Brew, that day I multitasked. Because both women spoke to me simultaneously. I, yeah, that's why you have two years. But I'd say... It's on a rare occasion that it happens, but both at the same time. The one says, we are selling strong drink to people. Is that why we cursed? At the same time, the other one says, we are living together. Is that why we cursed? I thought this, I should just go, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and then we're done. And then I thought, no, wait. I said, uh, well, I can give you my opinion, but I don't think it's going to help you. Uh, what are you guys doing tomorrow? So this is Thursday, and Friday is Good Friday. And in, in, <laughs> in that particular church where we were, on, on Easter, everybody visits their family, and they don't stay in Paris. <laughs> so they all disappear. So we don't have Easter services. Now, you might say, well, then you're probably not a proper church. Well, maybe that was half the problem. <laughs> so anyway, I say to them, okay, so tomorrow, uh, can we come and have church at your place? They said, where? I said, at the pub. They said, you can't have church in a pub. I said, why not? They said, well, they never thought about that. And then the one said to me, yeah, but you don't understand. My dad is in here. He belongs to the in here church. And so, yeah, so I said, well, ask him. So she asked him. He said, yes. So me and Quibus go. Quibus, my colleague, we arrive. The old man looks at us, he looks behind us. Afterwards, we found out he was, he was looking for the band. 
Because we said we're coming to have church. And he thought, he's crazy. Happy clappies, they're going to bring a whole thing, you know. So, then it was just the two of us. So, we sit, said, Vasi coffee, bring the coffee, sit down. And, uh, and then what I did is I, I tried to introduce them to a discovery Bible study. And now, when I, when I say, to, when you hear the story, you'll hear why I said try. See. So, we start off. Now, the, the way that you start off, to keep things simple, you say to the person, what are you grateful for? And what would you like God to do in your life? Or what are you stressed about that you'd like to see a solution? That kind of stuff. So, so here's me sitting. The one little one, the other one, the father, the mother, quibbers, me. Here we are, sitting. So now I go, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful to be alive. Okay, and uh, what would you like to see happen in your life? I want to experience God this week. And, and so I didn't hear the rest. I was so stunned. I was just, I was stunned. I was stunned. And then we did the short prayer. I'll say, okay, say thank you and pray for your friend. One sentence, one sentence, till we get to the um. The um. Oi, vai. The most beautiful Afrikaans theologically correct poetry prayer with just this amount of jawbreakers in it <laughs> that any Dwemini would be proud of. And then we got to the mother, and fortunately it was short and sweet. So that's what we did. So we did that. And then they say, I said, okay, now what we're going to do is we're going to just have a look at, the, at the, a passage of Scripture. And uh, so uh, I'm going to read it. You're going to listen. Then you're going to read it. And then um, you're going to tell the story in your own words. And then we're just going to examine it. And the passage of Scripture that I picked was Acts chapter 16, where Paul and Silas on their way to a prayer meeting, and there's a slave girl following them saying, these are men of the Most High God, come to tell you the way of salvation. And, and you know what happened. He cast the demon out. They ended up in jail. The, the, the jailer got saved. You know the story. So that's the scripture. So we do that. Read, listen, read. I mean, yeah, read. And the worm tells the story. Faultless. We couldn't, he, he covered everything. Blew me away. I thought, the worm knows the scripture, but he can't address these issues. He, he, hasn't, he hasn't been able to make application. Hasn't been able to do that. So then I said, there's a little acronym that we use called SPEC. So I said, do you see any sin in this passage? So this little one says, yes, uh, the slave girl. Now to this day, I haven't told them the witch doctor is wrong. I didn't have to. She discovered it for herself. Right there. So the question then is, who told her? You see, we have a teacher, the Bible says. His name's the Holy Spirit. Part of our job is to facilitate him speaking directly to people. That's where the H in hot comes from. You've got to help people to hear God speaking to them. And the primary thing that he will use is the word. So allow him to speak. Don't correct them when they hear something and give them your interpretation of what you think God is saying. Because what he says to one person, he might not say to another. How do we know that? Well, he told Peter to do something. And Peter said, what about John? He says, he's got nothing to do with you. You follow me. Hello. Can he be personal? Yes, he can. So anyway, we go through that. And uh, then I say, do you see any promises here? Yes. What is it? It says here, 
Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your household shall be saved. Oh, great. Uh, do you see any principles in here? They almost got irritated with me. They said, yes, we already told you. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your household shall be saved. So, all right. You know? Now, me and Quibus, we're so excited about this. So, so what happens is, now we finish, we pray for them, we leave. And just before we leave, I say to them, what I suggest you do is, Take the seven miracles in the book of John and then just use this little template that we've given you today. And Quibus and I leave and we don't see them again. We don't plan to see them again. Why? Because we're pastors and we've got to look after our congregation. We haven't got time for these people. I told you, you're going to say, yes, that's stupid. See? So we leave. So three weeks later, I'm visiting Quibus' son, because that's what you do, you know? And I get there, and lo and behold, who lives next door? These people. And they happen to be in the front yard. Now, I warn you, if you come to Freight, it's a dangerous place, because, you know, once you meet somebody once, the next time you meet an Afrikaner, I'll assume you so And I put out my hand to shake the woman's hand. He claps my hand out the way, gives me a hug, looks me in the eye, and he says, Hey, you told me there's seven miracles in the book of John. We found ten. <laughs> you ask me where, you know, if you say, Where are the other three? I, I don't know. I, I haven't found the other three. I found seven. I, they found another three. Where, I don't know what the other three. You can go and look. Maybe, you've, <laughs> maybe you can text me, say, This is where the other three are. But I was blown away. I thought, wait a minute. Wait a minute. These guys, since I last saw them, they went and studied the whole book of John. I don't even think my congregation has read the book of John. <laughs> See, a couple of weeks later, bump into the one in, in Pick and Pay. She says, oh, by the way, we sold the pub. Now, if you've got a pub, I'm not knocking that. I'm just telling you what happened. Another couple of weeks go by, meet the other little one. She says, oh, just hi, you know, soon groot, the whole thing. Uh, how are you doing? No, I just want to tell you, we're not living together anymore. So what did I have to do with that? Almost zero. I didn't tell them anything. So who did? So who did? Now, if we had to just take that little story and say, Charles, what did you learn from that experience? Because that's why I'm sharing the story with you. Because you're going to run into the same things. And you're going to be confronted with the same challenges. You're also going to get excited when you see God speak to them. But remember what we said in the beginning. To make disciples is to train them. Is to train them. So all I did is I exposed them, but I didn't train them. And I missed a huge opportunity. It was a pub. We could have had access to all those people in the pub. Missed it. Missed it. I didn't train them on how to be accountable. I didn't train them to tell others. The, the O and the T, I, I missed out. I, I just did the H. See, that's the one story. You sort of have to tell me with the time. See, because I'm... Okay, the OT. Okay, <clears throat> so the next one, we go to a coffee shop. The reason I get to the coffee shop is because the lady who runs the coffee shop opened her coffee shop on a Tuesday night to manne van die woord. 
Mannen van die woord. People went down to him, Angus. They came back, fired up for Jesus. Now they want to have a Bible study. But now they can't pick one church because then the other churches will get offended because they picked that church. That, I told you, it's weird. This is Parais, not Durban. It's Parais. <laughs> Doesn't happen here. So, so they decide, neutral venue. They go to Tanya. They say, can we use your coffee shop? She's only too pleased because she's going to make bucks. So she's sitting there while the Oaks are having their Bible study. So my friend Quibus gets invited to give his testimony. He's an ex-cop, powerful testimony. He gives his testimony, makes an altar call, asks somebody to accept Jesus. Guess who accepts Jesus? Tanya does. Behind the counter. I say to him, how was the evening? He said, fantastic. Tanya's accepted Jesus. I thought, here's my gap. This is what you do to people that are unsaved. That when they get saved, you do this. This is what you do. So I went to Tanya. I said, congratulations, you accepted Jesus. The next step that you need to do is you need to run a group. That's what people do when they get saved. They run groups. <laughs> Say, how can you tell her? She doesn't know. What does she know? She doesn't know what the next step is. I said, this is what you do. She says, really? I said, yes. I said, and I'll be with you till you tell me you don't need me. Okay. I said, when do we start? She says, Monday. Where? Table number one. Who are you going to invite? Marlies and Bev. Marlies is an estate agent. She does show houses on Sunday. Bev's husband works on the mine. He's at home on weekends. During the week, she's free. Monday, we sit. What scripture did I pick? Some anyone. Just open one up. The temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. This is a good place to start with a new believer. Yeah. <laughs> Say, Charles, you could have picked another one. Probably. But I just picked that one. Because I, I wanted to say, does this work? Of course, the guy told me you can use any passage of Scripture, so I thought, well, any passage of Scripture is any passage of Scripture. Koi. No, so we do the whole prayer thing, and we do, do you see any principles here? So she says, this is Tanya, she says, yes. Hmm. If you are tempted, you should use the Word of God to overcome the temptation. I go, what? <laughs> Got saved Tuesday, I meet her on Thursday, hasn't been to church, and on Monday she's saying this, who told her? This is worth a thousand sermons. She got it. Now the exciting thing is for me, this is the next part, on the, on the training part, is that I'd said to Tanya, you're going to run a group. I'm going to run the first one, the next one you're doing. So we meet at Malisa's house next week. Tanya runs the group. I'm there to support her. She got the little template. She takes her through the template. Malisa's is a believer, and she's quite biblically literate. So she makes the mistake of quoting another passage of Scripture while we're looking at this passage of Scripture. And Tanya says to her, excuse me, we're not doing that one. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going. <laughs> End of that, she says to Bev, next week we're at your place. Marlies, you're on. Here's the notes. I'm going to watch you. Charles is going to watch me. Then I get excited. I say to Quibus, hey, you must come with. Next meeting. So we rock up there. We're so excited. We get there. They said, would you like coffee or tea? We know you guys are busy and we'll excuse you. <laughs> what was the deal? The deal was I'll be with you till you tell me you don't need me. That was the deal. So I left. What I didn't do was help them to tell others what they discovered as truth. 
I didn't do that. So that group lasted for about three years till both Bev and Marlies left. They had a wonderful time, the three of them. <laughs> See, it's important to tell. Tell what? Tell what you've discovered and how you're going to obey. See, this is how you're able to, you're able to release somebody immediately after their first exposure to the Scripture. They don't have to know anything else about the Scripture. Zero. They just have to give one exposure. Let me give you an example. John chapter 2. The wedding at Cana. You know the story. Mary says to Jesus, the wine's finished. He goes, woman, what's that got to do with us? My time has not yet come. She ignores him, turns to the servant, says, whatever he tells you to do, do. You know the story. Okay, so we do that. There's a group of people. Ladies. The one lady says, I say, do you see any sin in this passage? She says, yes, manipulation. I said, where did you see that? <laughs> no, no, Jesus' mother, she manipulated him. The guy says, my time has not yet come. It's got nothing to do with us. She puts him on the spot, says to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do. You don't do that. It's called manipulation. <laughs> okay. Do you see any sin? Yes. What? Disrespect. Where did you see that? You don't talk to your mother like that. <laughs> hey, but hey, you don't understand. You know, Jesus can't sin, so it's obviously not a sin. But you don't get into a debate. If they see it, it's fine. It's, for you, it's sin. You don't talk to your mother like that. Good. Then we get to principles. The one lady says, yes, I see a principle of motivation. I said, where did you see that? She said, Jesus' mother motivated him into his ministry. And then you can see that the wheels turning. And they're thinking now, well, the, this one said it was sin. This one says it's motivation. You know, so is it manipulation or motivation? Which is it? And you are the answer man. Now, this is one of the keys. Don't be the answer man. And if they push you, say, Google it. <laughs> I'm serious. And then you can warn them before the time. You'll, you can tell them. You'll find 25 highly educated theologians that will take this position, and another 25 equally highly qualified will take it. on the, And once you've made up your decision, come and tell us. But that's not our focus. Our focus is we want you to be able to hear. We want you to be able to obey and we want you to be able to tell. That's the purpose of discipleship. Hear, obey, and tell. That's, the, that's, that's what it's about. You see? So when I said to the lady who saw the manipulation, I said, so okay, from what you've discovered here, what are you going to do? She said, well, I've been manipulating my family and I need to stop. And because they know the people in the group, I said, well, who's going to hold her accountable? Who's going to encourage her? Who's going to speak to her family to say, how's it going with mom, you know? Because that's part of the package. How do you train people to obey without accountability? You can't. And it's not this, it's encouraging. But it's still accountable. And then the other one I said, now you must know how you know you can do this with anybody because the other lady, say so Afrikaans Tani, who saw the motivation thing, I said, and what are you going to do? She said, my son, he's sitting up, say, stata, doing nothing. He's got all this potential. But she, but she used a different spelling. 
used a different spelling, but it but it means it means the same. It means to motivate. Yeah. So yes, the idea. So so we did that. The, the thing that I didn't do was to to train them how to tell. Tell what? Tell. This is the scripture we had. This is what I discovered. This is what I'm going to do. That's all you have to tell the other person. You don't have to know the whole Bible. You just have to tell your story. This is what I heard. How did you hear it? Well, they spoke about this wedding in Cana, and Jesus' mother was there, and she said the wine's finished. Jesus said that, and then she did that, and this is what I saw. I, I mustn't. M- manipulation is wrong, and I've been manipulating my family. I need to stop. So that's what she needs to tell. Even if she knows nothing about the rest of the Bible, she's encountered that one thing, and that's what qualifies you to evangelize, to tell. Yeah, but this person, their character's fraught. They haven't accepted Jesus yet. And your point is? Your point is what? At what point, at what point do you say you are now qualified? And who makes that, who makes that call? Who makes that call? Huh? And you know, the wonderful thing I want to encourage you with is everybody can do this. Even the kids. One of the challenges we had in the cell church movement is what do you do with the children? Of course, they obviously are not clever enough to understand what we're discussing as adults. I mean, it's not Jesus' opinion. It's just what we came to the conclusion. They, they don't understand. They, so that you have to show them videos and they do their own stuff. So I thought I'll test this. I'll end with this story. So I thought I'll test this. So I've got this friend in, in, uh, in Stilfontein. And uh, she's got a nephew and a friend who's visiting. And I said, hey, I want to do a quick Bible study with the boys. Is it fine? She said, go for it. So I go outside. There's a cement table. You know the cement table that they normally have? And a LAPA. How many of you know what a LAPA is? You know what a LAPA is? And a precast wall. You all understand that language. It's still Fontaine. Still Fontaine, man. Everybody got a LAPA. Otherwise, yes, you're not part of anything, eh? Ons main is all. And ons braai. So, so, so the two come out. Sias is 11, his friend is 9. So, now Sias is an energy bunny. So he jumps on the table, jumps on the lapa roof, runs on the precast wall. I'm going, Jesus, help me. His voice is not going to break. If he falls there, his voice is never going to break. He's going to speak in a high tone of voice for a long period of time. So that's what I'm thinking. Please, Jesus, help him. So jump. And so I said, I thought, okay, I said, I'm going to have a quiz. Are you ready for a quiz? Hello? Are you ready for a quiz? I'm going to do what I did to them. Are you game? Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to quote a passage of Scripture, and if you know where it is, just pop up your hand quickly. What must you do? Do you have, like, chocolates and stuff here? Coffee. Can I give, this, can I give a free coffee for this? Free cappuccino for the first oak who puts up his hand. This is good. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, here goes. I'm going to quote the verse. You tell me where it is. Mark, you're not allowed to play. (laughs) He can put up his hand before I even ask the question because he knows the answer. 
So yes, sir. And then he'll tell you the answer. You'll think it's a word of knowledge. No, it's because he knows the story. So here we go. Are you ready? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah, that man over there. You get a cappuccino. Yeah. Genesis 1, verse 1. So this is what I said to Sios. I said, Sios, if that's true, what are you going to do this week? That's like just condensing all those questions we ask in the Discovery Bible study into one question. If that's true, what are you going to do this week? So now he's, he's already on the wall <laughs> at this point. So he looks at me and says, oh, that's easy. I'll be careful what I say with my mouth and do with my hands. He's 11. I said, Sios, can you help me? How did you get from in the beginning to, to that? How did you get there? He said, it's very easy. God made people. I need to be careful how I speak to them and how I treat them. And he's 11. See? And I'm sitting there thinking, uh, this works. The, the Holy Ghost is teaching people. He's teaching. So the other little guy said, and you, now he was sitting nice and proper and paying attention. I said, and you? He said, I'm walking to school tomorrow. I'm not going by car. Huh? How did you get there? God made the planet. We're polluting it. I'm walking. <laughs> now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, you see, he's got a greenie for a teacher. And maybe his greeny teacher did have an effect on that. It's possible. But it's also possible that somebody spoke to him. See? So if we really believe that the Holy Ghost is our teacher, we should give him a space to speak. But when he does, we need to create a space where people can obey and they can tell. See? So that's the hot. That's the hot. See. So I don't know if I did tell you about the business thing or what. Next time, there's another opportunity. Wow. Amen. Did you get something out of that? Thanks, Charles. That was outstanding, man. Sure. And that's just the introduction to a whole lot of stories. We've got to have you come back and share some more of those. And uh, I loved what you said, that anybody can do this. Isn't that liberating? You know, anybody can open the scripture for someone to hear God speak. Doesn't that set you free from thinking you need to have a doctorate in theology? Anyone here this week can use the scripture to give someone an opportunity to hear. And then ask them what that says to them so there's something that they've got to do. Because you can substitute that word obey for do. And Jesus says, go and tell. So the very next thing is, is there someone you know who needs to hear that? And why? You've just made disciples of your disciples. Isn't that what we're called to do? Come on. Let's give the Lord a praise.